Hello, welcome, and would you look at this mess? I'm your host, Kate, and the purpose of this podcast is to trace, explore, and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us. Hey, hi, welcome back. Two things to mention before I get started. Um, I'm a little nasally. The seasonal allergies have officially started, which is so wild because normally it's early May. This year it's late May, but you know, climate change, everything is changing. Anyway, so there's that. Um, And again, Fair warning, there may be some background noise here today. There seems to be somebody who's like mowing their lawn in the rain. I don't know. (laughs) So if you hear a little bit of lawn mowing, that's them. Um, Anyway, so as promised, I am going to talk a little bit today about uh, perfectionism and parenting and modeling... um, Not even necessarily good communication, but... Uh, self-love and uh, apology and that kind of um, aftermath of being in conflict with others. So um, anyway, I'll explain further as we go here. (laughs) That just reminds me though, (laughs) in my last episode, I was like talking about something and then I said, I'll explain that later. And then I realized afterwards, I don't think I ever really did explain it totally. So apologies for that. And hopefully I don't forget (laughs) to explain this to you. (laughs) Anyway, this is what happens when your mind exists 100% in a tangent. (laughs) Okay. So, um, okay. I, I started having thoughts about this. I was thinking about this entire concept of perfectionism and parenting. Um, I was, I follow this woman on Instagram. Her handle is Sharon says so she's a Minnesotan mom and a former teacher. And she's just really, really great. Um, she does a lot of courses now online about, uh, the American government and policy and that kind of stuff. So anyway, you should check her out on Instagram if you're interested. Um, but she answers questions every day on Instagram to her, her, for her audience. And they are sometimes government related and sometimes related to other things. And so one question that came through for her was how to, um, feel better as a parent when you feel like you're failing and when things are really hard and, and that line of stuff. Right. And, and so Sharon's response was something along the lines of, um, it's hard for everyone. You're not alone. And you're supposed to make mistakes. That's how your children know that you're human, right? And I thought, I, actually, I should hang on a second. I'm going to f- see if I can find um, the actual thing that she said because it seemed very, not even that profound, but it was just really eloquent what she said. So just give me a sec. Hang on. I laugh at myself here too because for you, the time lag is nothing. <laughs> But for me, it took me a minute to find that. So what she said, so the question was, the last two days have been hard with a sad emoji. I feel like I'm failing as a mom. Tips when it gets hard. And Sharon said, number one, it's hard for everyone. And then in all caps, everyone. And two, you're supposed to make mistakes so your kids can see how to make mistakes and learn from them. A perfect mom would be of no use to her children in the real world. 
And I just thought that that was very well put <laughs> because, you know, we, I don't know, the, the, the way that we parent and the way that we're, we're expected to parent currently feels very pressurized. And it often feels like if we're not extremely gracious and um, understanding of our children and all of that, um, we're bad parents or you're a bad mom. And as this is especially difficult, of course, during this pandemic when we're all stretched so thin and we're all struggling to stay afloat emotionally and some of us financially um, and and just and even physically I mean people there's this whole dialogue too around people gaining weight during the pandemic and how that's okay um, and actually so there sorry another tangent um, there was this really fabulous uh, reel or something on Instagram that went around and it was like, you know, this guy is saying to himself, um, it's okay that I've gained weight because we're living through a pandemic. And then he stops himself. And he says, um, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of it, it, it the, the bottom line is it's, it's okay to gain weight. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the situation is. Um, but that being said, a lot of people are finding that they're experiencing weight gain during this time because, again, everything is so uncertain and discomfort discomforting and food can often be a source of comfort for people. Anyway, let's get back on track. So this got me thinking, though, about what it means to be a parent and what it means to be sometimes a quote-unquote failure um, at being a parent. And I don't even... Well... <laughs> There, there's always a line, right? There's always a line in which you're like, okay, you really are failing as a parent. You know, that's like when you subject your children to abuse or neglect, um, that sort of thing. And that does happen. And, and I don't say that lightly that that's a failure, but, um, <clears throat> but you know, I just, I, I wanted to impart that it's really difficult to fail as a parent. It's, it takes a lot of effort to fail, um, Children are extremely resilient and they are extremely forgiving. They love you. Your children love you more than anything in the world. And they don't want to be mad at you. They don't want to hold anything against you. Um, and so this is when, you know, in those moments when we have those, um, those quote-unquote failings, when we feel like we're failing, um, it presents us with an opportunity, a couple of opportunities, actually. Um, and so first and foremost, it, it offers us the opportunity to model some behaviors for our children, to model apologizing. It gives us the opportunity to say, you know, I really overreacted there. I'm really sorry. I, I apologize for acting that way. That wasn't fair of me. And then it, you know, your child has the opportunity to take that in and see what that looks like when someone hurts you or someone does something that maybe isn't in your best interest. Then they can be remorseful and apologetic. And um, so that's, you know, the very first thing. And Sharon is correct in her assessment that um, 
we're we need to make mistakes so that we can um show our children that that this is how you how you make a mistake and this is how you recover from making a mistake um it can also be an opportunity to show to 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 model for our children course correction so because sometimes what i find happens because i grew up in an environment where if things got tense and stressful, my mom would reflect that out into the world. She would reflect that stress and that tension and she would get, um, you know, kind of almost mean. <laughs> and she wasn't exactly patient with us when those things were going on and she'd get snappy and stuff. So as a parent, I've worked really hard over the past few years to try to work away from that, what I was brought up with. But that's something that's deeply ingrained in me. So what I find happens, sometimes anyway, especially those high stress moments, particularly when it's like PMS time, <laughs> then, then my window of patience is quite limited. What I find is I get really impatient and I start to do that snappy thing. I start to get a little bit on the crabby, um, bitchy side, I'm going to say. <laughs> and then I have to, I, or I ha sometimes am able to stop myself in my tracks and go, whoa, okay, you're heading down to a place here that you don't like to be. Nobody wants you to be in that place. What are we going to do to help not continue down this path? And so this is an internal narrative that I can have with myself to help to stop those kinds of reactions because a lot of it does come down to simply reacting like a knee-jerk reaction in a situation rather than taking your time and thinking about what's the root of this situation. Why is your child screaming or having a hard time? What could you possibly do in this situation to, to at least alleviate the stress from yourself? Because I've said before um, on the pod that I don't prescribe to the idea that I need to fix my children's feelings or that I need to rush them through whatever it is that they're feeling. So I can say to myself, okay, they're having a hard time. I'm not responsible for making them feel better. So then I can turn to my child and I can say, yeah, you're having a hard time right now. I can see that. I see you look like you're feeling frustrated. You see maybe like you're angry. Can you tell me what you're feeling? And just coming at it from a very understanding and empathetic perspective. And I'm not forcing my kids to tell me what's up. If I, if I say, can you tell me what's wrong? And they go, mm, mm. they make that, you know, that, that pouty noise. And I go, okay, you're not ready yet. And then I just let it go. <laughs> and I say, I'm here for you. Or like with Emmeline, uh, she often responds positively to uh, physical touch. So if she's really upset, if, as I can see her sort of, sort of coming down a little bit, 
I will offer her a hug and she'll usually take it. And then that helps her to kind of, you know, feel, I think she just feels loved. I think it helps her to recognize that even when she has those big, scary, ugly emotions, it's not, I'm not holding it against her. Um, and so then she, you know, she can feel a little better. Bobby, on the other hand, <laughs> doesn't always respond uh, positively to the invitation for a hug or some sort of physical touch. And so, you know, I just go, okay, no problem. And I let him do what he needs to do safely if that's required. Whew. Anyway, so this got onto a, a bit of a different track than what I was kind of going to talk about here. But, um, but so the, the bottom line here is that that when we have those moments of having a difficulty in regulating our own emotions, because I think that's a lot of what it comes down to, is that we're experiencing um, difficulty in regulating ourselves. We can, like I said, we can take it as an opportunity to apologize after the fact if it, if it you know, the, the wave of emotion comes over us, we let it out in some way that may not be totally appropriate or may not be the way that we'd like to. And then we apologize because we can recognize that we made a mistake. Um, and then if we're able to disrupt it part way or, or whatever, um, we can also model correcting course for our kids. And, and this all comes down to this simple concept of humility. We're human. We're going to have fully human feelings. We're going to respond to the world in a human way. We're not robots. We're not supposed to be unfeeling or only expressing the positive, uh, happy, joyful emotions within ourselves. We need to be able to give ourselves the permission, or not even permission, but to be, be you know, humble and to give ourselves some grace when we have moments where we aren't going to be able to regulate our emotions as well as we'd like to. Um, because it just is what it is. Very few people <laughs> in the world are excellent self-regulators, especially because so few of us, at least in this particular culture, have been brought up in a way where we were encouraged to feel our feelings and process them and to identify them and work with them. We were often taught to repress them because we had fear that our parents were going to whack us or shame us, make us feel badly for being mad or sad or frustrated or disappointed. Um, so that, so as adults, not a lot, a lot of us are, are ill-equipped to handle those kinds of emotions. And so then it comes out of us in ways that we would rather not. But even if we were, I mean, I expect that when when my kids grow up, if I'm gonna I'm gonna say quote unquote successful in my attempts to help them to become emotionally intelligent, I'm still not going to expect perfection because again, we're still human. And especially now, again, this pandemic, we're we're not living through normal times. We're not living through an experience that most humans have experienced and that are alive today. 
most people who are alive today have never been through something like this. And so it's, it's an exception. And so when, when parents say, at this point, I'm having a hard time, I feel like I'm failing, you're not. I promise you, you're not failing. You're showing up for your kids day after day, imperfectly, and that is what they need. That's what they need. They don't need you to be perfectly regulated. They don't need you to be constantly graceful and or gracious and um, accepting all of your all of your all of the, your children's their emotions with open arms. Um, that's just not going to be re- realistic, and it's not realistic even not during a pandemic, <laughs> but especially now. So. Um, yeah, I just, I guess I kind of just wanted to, to, if you're a parent to, to reassure you that you're, you're doing a good job and you're doing the best that you can. And that's what matters. And that's what will count. Your kids aren't going to necessarily look back at their childhood during this time period and go, yeah, my parent was really awful and, you know, um, terrible to me and I hold it against them especially if you're able to employ a little bit a, a little bit of this um, sense of humility, being honest with your kids and saying, I'm having a hard time. Things are difficult for me right now. And so that sometimes makes me a little bit more emotional. It can make me a little bit less patient. And I'm sorry for that. That kind of meaningful connection around the emotional turbulence can be really helpful for kids to process. One of the things that I am really conscious of saying to my kids is that if I have some kind of an emotional outburst or breakdown or whatever, I always tell them, this is not your fault. What happened with me was not your fault. You didn't cause this. It's me. And so then they know, at least I'm hoping that they know that it's not on them that I feel a particular way or that I express my emotions in a particular way. So that's my advice is, you know, work on yourself on how you are able to identify and process your own feelings and also be humble enough to be able to say honestly to your kids, yeah, I screwed up and I'm sorry for that. And I promise you, it'll be okay. <laughs> so that's that stuff. That's the perfectionism that we need to let go of because it's not serving us. It's making us feel guilty. And the guilt stream can often lead to other things that are also not really helpful for our kids. You know, a lot of parents, I find they, they want to try to correct things and make things right by almost spoiling their kids, right? Like they want to take them out to get them donuts or they want to buy them a new toy or whatever, but that's not the kind of love that they need. The love that they need is the honest, humble love that you have just in yourself. So... Anyway, <laughs> hopefully that's helpful to you. Um, and at the end of the day, again, your kids are going to be okay. They're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Um, I know it's hard right now. I know that it doesn't necessarily help in the, the current moment. 
to say, well, it's going to be okay. Maybe it does. I don't know. (laughs) But I see you. If you're struggling, I'm with you. It's hard. It's very hard. And uh, we're going to get through this. So the other thing, the other part of this that I wanted to mention is that we also have an opportunity to model self-love despite our flaws and our errors. Um, Because when we're able to say, yeah, I made a mistake or I screwed up or whatever, but you don't literally or figuratively beat yourself up about it, it also shows our kids that they can have flaws and they can make errors. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people or that that they don't deserve love or that they need to beat themselves up about it. They too can be, you know, given grace and forgiveness and they can move on confidently regardless of having made a mistake. I think sometimes we're a little bit less conscious of the fact that we can be so hard on ourselves when we make mistakes um, and that children pick up on this, that, that the message you're sending when you beat yourself up about that kind of stuff is that you, um, you don't love yourself and that you don't deserve love. Or, or, or so then they say, or then they see, they internalize that they should feel bad about making mistakes, that they should expect to be unlovable if they make mistakes or if they have make errors or they have flaws. And that's not what we want our kids to know. We want them to know that they deserve everything and more, even if they have flaws or even if they make mistakes or errors. Because again, we're human. <laughs> we're all human. We're just trying to get through this life. And, um, and mistakes are such great learning opportunities. So we don't ever want kids to think that it's a bad thing to make a mistake. We want them to know, to understand that when they make mistakes, it means that that's an opportunity for them to learn and to grow. So, all right. I think I've exhausted that aspect, that that sort of topic that I was hoping to to bring up. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is related to this same concept because it's all kind of rooted in a bit of conflict and a lot of stress, right? So like when we as parents get upset with our children, um, this is this way of responding with, you know, apology, course correction, humility, all of that is a way to respond to that. Sometimes the conflict is between the parents. And for Nick and I, <laughs> you know, we don't we don't get into arguments a lot, but when we do get into a heated argument, it can get quite dramatic and heated. <laughs> Nick's a redhead, and it is true what they say about redheads being fiery. Um, I'm not a redhead. My mom is, and so I feel like I got that same gene, so we both have a, a bit of a temperament. Um, so anyway, so I wanted to discuss a particular instance that happened very recently between Nick and I and kind of what happened, right? What happened during and after. So basically, 
Um, Bobby was with my mom, so we just had Emmeline with us. We actually it was his birthday. <laughs> That's right, it was his birthday last week. Oh, the poor guy. Um, so we had Emmeline, or maybe no. You know what? Bobby was at daycare. Oh my goodness! Doesn't even matter. He wasn't there. <laughs> so. Nick and Emmeline and I ended up having the day together because I ended up um, having the day off work and Nick took the day off work because it was his birthday. So we went to a greenhouse to um, get some plants and some stuff for our garden because that's what he wanted to do for his birthday. And uh, one important thing to mention here is that Lately, I've been kind of intermittent fasting. Um, I've done it in the past, and I really enjoy the way it makes my body feel um, because I tend to get less bloated when I do this. So I kind of stopped doing it for a while, and I'm, I'm returning to it now as I've gotten back into work uh, because I also find that in terms of trying to eat first thing in the morning when I'm getting up at 5.30 um, and trying to get ready and stuff, it's a lot. So it's just easier in some ways to also wait and delay eating until uh, a little bit later into the day. Anyway, <laughs> so obviously I wasn't working that day, but I was like, oh, whatever, I'm still going to just do my regular fasting thing. So we went to the greenhouse. It ended up taking quite a long time. And so I ended up and I didn't bring any food with me. I, like clearly, I wasn't. I wasn't really. I didn't plan ahead very well. So, bottom line, we finished at the greenhouse, and I'm like, I am starving, and I'm now well past the time when I would normally have had something to eat for the day. So I said, we've got to go hit up a drive-through and get some food in my stomach because I'm getting <laughs> hangry. This is, everything here on, in this particular story hinges on the hanger. <laughs> anyway, so. We did. We went into the we went to the drive-thru, we got food, and then as we were exiting the drive-thru, I got a call on my phone and I answered it. Um on uh, no, anyways, I answered the call because it was it was an important call and I was afraid that if I didn't answer it, I wouldn't be able to get through to them again on the line uh, to call them back. So I, I answered the phone. And <clears throat> then I'm driving out of the drive-thru and there's a blind spot, which I often find is a blind spot, but anyway, I didn't see a car there, and so I started to pull into the intersection, like or not intersection, but like into the. Sp this is in a parking lot, <laughs> so I started pulling into the spot where I was going to go, and then I noticed the car, and I hit the brakes, and nothing happened, but it scared Nick, and so he got mad at me, and he's and he lashed out because he was scared, and he's I forget what he said, but anyway. And, he, and then I hung up the phone and he was like, I don't remember even what he said, but he was very, he was combative, right? It wasn't like <laughs> in any way rooted in empathy or understanding. It was just like, you're stupid. Why did you do that? Like, anyway, so not very nice, <laughs> but again, I understand that he was afraid. So he, his response wasn't exactly graceful. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but then because I was, I hadn't eaten my food yet and I was now like pushing well into hangry, my response also was not kind or productive. And so it just started us into this huge argument over actually nothing. <laughs> 
Um, and part of it was that, you know, I said to him, we like, okay, hang on a sec now. So I stopped talking because I knew that I was just going to keep spewing stuff that I didn't want to say. Um, and so I was, I was just trying to eat and cool off. And this is something that him and I have talked about a couple of times now. Um, again, this is this comes down to conditioning. Uh, soon after we stopped talking, he said, "Well, and thanks for apologizing." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, and I got really mad again because I would. I and so I said to him after the fact, uh, again, uh, well after everything had cooled off, I said to him, "You've got to understand." If you are looking for a genuine apology from me after an argument of some kind, you need to give me time. I need to be fully cooled off. I need to not be hungry anymore. <laughs> um, so you've got to give it time. You can't demand an apology of me immediately. And so, that what, like I said, this is something that comes down to conditioning because, again, as kids, most of us grew up where our parents, if something happened, they said, apologize to your friend or your sibling or whomever it was that you've injured. Um, and so we were compelled to apologize immediately. And now my personal philosophy is that forcing kids to do this doesn't lead to anything genuine or any kind of genuine connection. It's just a, a box that you tick off when you go have a conflict with someone. They all oh, apologized and then all is right again. So I don't make my kids apologize right away. I model positive apology <laughs> and genuine apology. And by and large, my kids have picked up on that. And so they will apologize when they're ready. And I don't force it on them. Um, anyway, so we talked about that after because, of course, in the moment, it enraged me <laughs> even further. And I was really, really, really mad. And then I tried to explain to him a little bit after that. I thought that I had kind of cooled off a bit. And, I, and a little bit after that, I said, look, two things I want to say here. One of them is that I understand that I should not have answered the phone um, that was definitely distracting me while I was in the parking lot. I shouldn't have answered the phone. I gave, I gave you that. And then I said, it's also true, though, that I find sometimes that spot is a blind spot for me. And so I said, I, I feel like even if I wasn't on my phone, it's there's a good chance that I still wouldn't have seen that car because I find that happens a lot in that spot. It just is. And so <laughs> that also didn't didn't um, end well either because in his mind that was me shirking responsibility for the fact that I was driving distracted on the phone which anyway <laughs> um, don't don't drive and talk on the phone let's just say that um, but yeah so that argument just kept going and going and going and it was very heated again but but <laughs> it all comes down to the fact that I was so hungry I was so hungry that I couldn't control my emotions. And so my biggest piece of advice here is like, don't go hungry. 
And it seems so absurd to say that, but I know that there are so many women, especially out there, who undereat. And so it's no wonder that we can be so ragey sometimes. Um, anyway, so after it was all said and done, um, we got home, we cooled off. And okay, so one thing that I will mention is that Emmeline, <laughs> little... Um, you know, empathy star that she is. She would say to us every so often, she'd be like, guys, you need to take some deep breaths and talk to each other. You need to talk, blah, blah, blah. She, you know, she was trying to coach us through our, our experience. And so I would say to her, I know, I know, I'm sorry, daddy and I are fighting and it's so hard. We're not getting along. And uh, that's fine. So eventually... Um, and actually, this is, I mean, this is a little nugget that my therapist gave me. Um, we had basically, we'd cooled off. I felt like we were, we were in a decent place, or at the very least, I wanted to move past it. And I, I said, can we start over? And he said, why do you want to start over? And I said, because we love each other and we don't want to be fighting, especially about something that is nothing. It's literally nothing. <laughs> And he said, okay. And uh, I said, I love you, and I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't want to act that way. I don't think that that was a very kind thing to do, and I'm sorry for making you feel bad and for scaring you and blah, blah, blah. And then Emmeline came over, and she just looked at me in the eye, and she gave me a big thumbs up. <laughs> she was like, good job. <laughs> and I thought, huh, okay. I, I can see here that we've made an impact, whether, like, again, we, we were not acting in a way that was kind or, I'm not going to say it wasn't inappropriate, but, but there was absolutely zero emotional regulation for either of us in this instance. And uh, sometimes when we get like this, it can be scary for our kids, Um and so I always acknowledge that, like, I'm sorry if it was scary for you that Daddy and I were fighting. Um, and we love you, and it's not your fault and all of that. And anyway, so I, I was just, it kind of spoke to me, this, this sense that she recognized that despite all of the fighting, despite all of the nonsense, we do love each other, and we can work through it and apologize and move forward. Um, and so, you know, I just wanted to offer this example of like a moment where it's kind of embarrassing that, <laughs> that we've had this stupid argument and that both of us are still very much working on communicating effectively and, and not being, um, I don't know. I said to Nick, you know, we do need to really work on, on name calling. Um, we don't like... We don't, again, we don't do it very often, but sometimes when we get really, really heated, one of us will say, like, you're an idiot or whatever, um, and things like that are just not helpful and, and not ever really, there's no place for it. Uh, so we're working, trying to not do that. Um, but yeah, like I said, like, at the, at the end of it all, you know, our, our kid was able to see that it didn't damage our relationship. It didn't negatively affect us longer term we were able to apologize and move on and just get over it 
So to me, it was overall okay. Like, you know, you don't really want to have those moments in front of your kids or at all, really. But if you're gonna, (laughs) if it does happen, which it does sometimes, there are ways that you can still show your children that, like, you can foster positive communication. And again, like, you know, making these kinds of mistakes presents opportunities to learn and to grow. So like I just said, you know, I identified a couple of things during that that time where I was like, huh, we should probably work on not calling each other names. We should probably work on not not getting so hungry that we end up screaming at each other uh, for no reason. <laughs> you know, like there are things that you can identify through this whole process where you can look back and go, okay, yeah, maybe we should not do that or or be con- more conscious of those things. So, oh, Nina. Hi. <clears throat> um, anyway, that's my, my story, my anecdote for you for today. And um, hopefully you don't judge me too harshly <laughs> for having such a stupid argument. Um, but I do feel like this is a not unusual thing to happen. And, and I just want to, again, assure you that even if you're fighting with your partner, even if you're having moments of like really, uh, dramatic conflict, it doesn't have to mean that your kids, um, are going to be scarred or that they, they don't learn anything from that. You know, I do think that Emmeline learned about how to, be gracious and empathetic to your partner and to their situation on both, like from both of our sides. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I think I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Yeah, hopefully this all makes sense Um, and hopefully it's helpful for you. I don't know. Um, Yeah, I appreciate you always being here. Something that I always forget to mention is that um, you can subscribe to the podcast. It does help to boost the podcast if you subscribe, and it also helps you because you get episodes as soon as they arrive. As soon as they're uploaded, they come into your Apple podcast or wherever you listen, uh, Spotify or whatever, Um, and so you don't have to download them every week. So if you are liking the podcast, I recommend that you subscribe. Um, I'm also going to let you know that I'm working on getting my the podcast, some clips and some full episodes onto a new platform. And uh, so I'm going to keep working on that and get it fully set up. And then I can start sending out some invitations for uh, listeners. And it's a, it's a great platform um, because it's, it's actually kind of like YouTube style, but for podcasts. So it has, you know, um, creators and it has some kind of an algorithm. And so it'll push content for you. You can set whatever it is that you, your preferences are, things that you want to listen to, and it will um, intuitively recommend those things for you. So anyway, I'll let you know what that is coming up. And um, thank you for being here as always I appreciate it I'm very grateful for you to be here and uh, to be listening as I share everything about my life Um, yeah thanks a lot I will uh, see you 
in the next one. 